I spent all weekend watching the Taken trilogy where people keep taking Liam Neeson's daughter and he keeps trying to get her back. And I was like, how can I use this for a podcast? Because what would be the point of watching all three movies back to back if not to meticulously unpick them? But I'll be honest with you, all I really got out of them was the fact that this poor woman has been kidnapped like three times in four years and it's still a shock to her every single time. (laughs) Also that the ensuing killing spree would absolutely have caused an international incident, but Liam Neeson appears to suffer no negative repercussions. That and the fact that villains in these things always have really great hair. Are American directors afraid of well-groomed men is a note that I have written many, many times. But those two things together are just like lists of fabulous haircuts and crimes committed on foreign soil, neither of which are very interesting in 20-minute stretches. Alas, my watching of the Taken trilogy will just have to be chalked up to more wasted time, but I have turned to my next best option. I missed the chance to talk about horror movies in the 13th episode because I was too busy penning a love letter to Keanu Reeves. And after I finished watching Taken, I watched Zack Snyder's new zombie movie, Army of the Dead. And its depiction of smart zombies with organized leadership got me thinking about where the hell we're at with zombies now. We've gone from shuffling reanimated body to speedy flesh eater to organized rotting corpse syndicate. Seems like a weird shift that's worth investigating. And it gives me a chance to redeem the time lost watching four movies about The Walking Dead immediately following my stint with Taken. (laughs) I'm Alex, this is Pop Culture Boner, the podcast edition, and today I'm thinking about zombies. The zombie apocalypse is one of those things that doesn't really scare me, I think because it feels very removed from reality. Except for that brief moment in 2012 where there were like five homicides involving cannibalism in the space of a week. Does anyone else remember that one where the dude from New Jersey sliced out his own intestines and threw them at an arresting officer? Anyway, like I said, I watched Army of the Dead when it came out the other day and it made me remember that we are living through a pandemic. (laughs) Obviously, I I hadn't forgotten. Uh, I'm still wearing a mask in public and flinching whenever there are more than three people in a grocery store. I'm really waiting on the Australian government to get a cohesive vaccination strategy together because I just bought my chemical romance tickets for 2022 and I need to throw my back out in a mosh pit with other aging emo kids so that I can feel normal again. But I digress. What I mean to say is that while zombie movies are really concerned with infection, As with all horror, it's usually a metaphor for some other form of social issue like war, consumerism, violence, poverty, or terrorism. But we're currently living in a world that's been fundamentally altered by the almost totally unchecked spread of a virus that's killed hundreds of thousands of people. We're still working out the logistics of how this impacts us all long term, which means the time is ripe for some insensitive, excessively heavy-handed Hollywood commentary to beat us repeatedly over the head and ask if we get it. Because it, like, it has layers of meaning, you know? It's, it's deep. Anyway, I think Army of the Dead might be the first zombie movie to be released post-pandemic. And I've got to admit, it definitely coloured how I looked at it. 
So I thought today we could look at the history of zombies and zombie movies. Should they shuffle slowly or zoom at you like rage-fueled sacks of gore? Why are there so many pieces of media obsessed with smart zombies now? What's the relationship between the human soul and the human body? And is that question too heavily rooted in Catholicism for me to adequately answer in 20 minutes? Probably. Let's get into it, shall we? When I talked about vampires on this podcast, I started with vampire mythology, which has a really long history, much of which was recorded as it was happening. The first English usage of the word vampire was in 1734, and it's easy to track its non-English origins across most of Eastern Europe. In contrast, the first recorded English usage of the word zombie was 100 years later, in 1819, in an unrelated history of Brazil, referring to an Afro-Brazilian rebel leader named Zumbi, discussing his name's roots in the Congo word Nzambi, meaning God. The zombie that we're familiar with, and which is dredged up from time to time, uh, usually in extremely bad taste, supernatural-themed television episodes, is derived from Haitian voodoo. Essentially, it involves a bokor, which is a kind of sorcerer who's opposed by the voodoo priests and priestesses, physically reviving the dead through necromancy. The zombie then remains under the control of the bokor with no will of its own. There are actually two types of zombie in Haitian voodoo. There's the physical zombie and the astral zombie, which is a part of the captured soul of the deceased. This incorporates soul dualism, which is a belief in Haitian voodoo where humans have two souls housed in the flesh and in the spirit. Therefore, each type of zombie is missing one essential piece of their soul. So, in case you couldn't tell, (laughs) we're getting further and further away from the white parts of the world responsible for colonizing the history books and closer to the bits that make white people uncomfortable. Specifically, that voodoo developed in Afro-Haitian communities during the Atlantic slave trade from the 16th to 19th centuries. It blends traditional religions from enslaved West Africans, particularly the Yoruba and Fon peoples, and the Roman Catholic form of Christianity from French colonialists. The zombie association with voodoo and voodoo's roots in slavery mean that a lot of what you get when you start digging into zombie folklore are some extremely offensive dispatches from white anthropologists and adventurers. You can't see me, I'm doing inverted commas on adventurers. And that's in part how the concept of the zombie came from Haiti to the cultural consciousness of the good old US of A. A book called The Magic Island by William Seabrook was published in 1929, and it was an account of his experiences with occult religions in Haiti. It was a bestseller and it features descriptions of so-called zombies. Now, as a brief aside here, while I was trying to find the zombie pathway from Haiti to Hollywood, I came across the Magic Island title and I was like, hmm, I wonder who William Seabrook was. Anthropologist, missionary, some other type of asshole. Anyway, I clicked on his Wikipedia page, which I will read some excerpts from. It says, William Bueller Seabrook. February 22nd, 1884 to September 20th, 1945, was an American occultist, okay, explorer, I mean, I guess you could still be an explorer in the late 1800s, traveler, sure, 
journalist, totally normal profession, and cannibal. Sorry, what? (laughs) What's good? So I looked at the contents box on his Wikipedia page and it says, early life, family life, cannibalism, later life, death. (laughs) Naturally, I clicked on the link to the bit about cannibalism and it says, in the 1920s, Seabrook traveled from West Africa and came across a tribe who partook in the eating of human meat. Seabrook writes about his experience of cannibalism in his novel Jungle Ways. However, later on, Seabrook admits the tribe did not allow him to join in the ritualistic cannibalism. Instead, he obtained samples of human flesh from a hospital and cooked it himself. You know, like a normal person. I think the thing that really gets me about this is that it's definitely just a guy who wanted an excuse to eat human meat and was pissed when he wasn't allowed. What I'm saying is he fell into the some other type of asshole category. Anyway, that's where the word zombie made its way into popular culture, and there were a few films from around that time that used the Haitian voodoo tradition as the basis for their story. The most notable one is the Bela Lugosi-led White Zombie, which came out in 1932. But like I said, while they didn't use the word zombie, most cultures have folklore around raising the dead, and these other traditions have also leached over into popular culture. Things like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein influenced a tradition of fusing mad science with reanimation of the dead, or Lovecraft's Herbert West reanimator, Uh, which defined the reanimated dead as uncontrollable, violent, and mostly mute. Both of these things continue to pop up in contemporary zombie films. But zombie cinema as we know it really found its footing in 1968, when George Romero released Night of the Living Dead, in which a ragtag group led by a man named Ben attempt to survive the night by buckling down in a remote farmhouse while hordes of the living dead swarm outside. While Romero referred to the monsters as ghouls throughout his script, Night of the Living Dead basically introduced every trope that we associate with Hollywood zombie films today. The zombies are reanimated corpses of the deceased, they move slowly, and are killable only with a shot to the head. There's no immediately obvious cause for the disease, but it moves quickly and causes widespread chaos. It's actually kind of funny to go back and watch this movie now, because a lot of the time in newer zombie films, characters will have some other frame of reference for what's happening. So there'll be one character who's like, these are zombies, aim for the head, or try not to get bitten, I think it's an infection. In Night of the Living Dead, everyone is completely baffled about what's happening and why, to the point where we're just sort of hanging out with someone who's bitten blissfully unaware that the second the infection takes them, they're toast. Basically, every person in a zombie movie post-1968 is living in a post-Romero world where we know the horror of the zombie apocalypse to come. So, if George Romero's zombies built the genre, then what do they mean? Well, uh, a lot of people read it as a critique of the Vietnam War. I think I say that some piece of genre cinema was like a critique of the Vietnam War like every second episode at this point, but to be fair... America had a lot of anxiety about it, and they made a lot of movies about how pointless wars are bad. But, like, indirectly, so it's all a metaphor. (laughs) Anyway, by setting the fairly extreme for the time, 
violence uh, in an all-American suburban home, Romero has reflected the sudden realities of the war being beamed back into living rooms every night. The film begins with a deconstruction of that all-American household, first literally, as Ben and co. all pull apart furniture to barricade the doors, and then symbolically as the lone child in the film is taken by the virus and devours the flesh of her father. Visually, a lot of the shooting style reflects newsreels. Um, At one point, it even cuts to an extended clip of reporters on the scene, sort of filming armed men trotting off into the firing lines. The horror of the outside is seeping in through the TV screen and then through the door, and it's not something otherworldly. It looks just like us. It is us. At the end of Night of the Living Dead, Ben, a black man and the lone survivor of a night of hell with the aforementioned living dead, is shot between the eyes by vigilante rednecks picking off the remaining zombies. The film's final shots show him being dragged out with a hook to be burned with the rest of the bodies, highlighting the recent memory of civil rights protests. Romero went on to make two more films in his zombie trilogy, which sort of proved the versatility of this type of monster. Dawn of the Dead was released in 1978, and it offers a commentary on hedonism and consumerism, with the characters sort of holed up in a deserted shopping mall, living out their wildest consumer dreams in this odd liminal space as the world collapses outside. Day of the Dead was released in 1985, and it gives us a kind of Cold War commentary and some paranoia, but it also manages to offer up some philosophical questions about life, death, sentience, and the human soul. While it's the least well-received of the three films, I think Day of the Dead actually provides one of the more interesting questions about zombies as a concept. It features a semi-sentient zombie named Bub, who is able to be dissuaded from his immediate desire to rip someone to shreds by interacting with the remnants of his old life, like razors, books, and music. At the film's climax, he even shoots the captain who killed the kindly scientist who was working with him. Part of the fear of zombies is based not only on the fact that they look like us, but that they could be anyone. Our mother, our friend, our lover, our neighbour. At what point do they become unsalvageable? If the brain is still there, then surely there can't be nothing left. And if there is something left, at what point do you cave your dead boyfriend's skull in with a shovel? As soon as he's infected, knowing that there's no help coming? Or once he's trying to rip your throat out with his teeth? Romero indicated that there was some semblance of personhood that remained, but we're never given the opportunity to explore how much, because the dead overrun the facility. Now, zombie movies went fairly dormant in mainstream cinema throughout the 80s and 90s, I think at least partially because there was less room for the kinds of hippie gothic social commentary that Romero popularised. The 80s was kind of a capitalist playground, and America's various international conflicts felt more removed than they had in the 1970s. People felt safer. But then, of course, 9-11 happened. I might start a bingo card for every time I mention 9-11 or the Vietnam War on this podcast. Anyway, 9-11 introduced the threat of violence on people's doorsteps and launched a spate of zombie renaissance movies. The best example is, of course, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. The film follows Jim, who wakes up from a coma 28 days after London has been decimated by a virus that was unwittingly unleashed by environmental activists on their quest to save lab animals. 
The film features zombies that are fueled by rage, unstoppable and spewing blood. Despite being set in London, the film's relationship with 9-11 feels pretty obvious. The deserted streets Jim wanders through feel really eerily similar to New York's emptiness following the collapse of the Twin Towers. The anxiety of bioterrorism and martial law also loom really large, with the virus originating in what we can only assume is a government lab, sort of similar to anthrax, and the last holdout found by the survivors being a military platoon with their own sort of nefarious ideas of how to survive in the new world. Many of the zombies in these new films were fast movers and rabid, like with World War Z, or evolving, as in the Resident Evil films, which get progressively sillier the further you get into the franchise. There's a pretty heavy focus on science, both as a cause and a solution, hinting at some sort of underlying anxiety around government weapons development and its possible close-to-home consequences. Similar to Romero Zombies, these films offer a commentary on the state of the world and often a fairly nihilistic view of how escapable these conflicts are. Many end with uncertain futures or out-and-out obliteration. Which is why I think it's so interesting that as we move through the 2010s, we start to see zombies with some form of sentience and organisation. I'm thinking specifically about Warm Bodies, which is a zombie rom-com where a zombie falls in love with a human girl, which brings him back to life. The zombies maintain relationships with each other and friendships, and they begin to regain their humanity when they start interacting with surviving humans, which sort of implies that they could have been saved all along, if only we'd been less afraid and more willing to interact with the infected. Fear of visible disease and our proximity to it is really ingrained in our psyche. Cecilia Petretto says that our fear of the zombie imagery lies in a deep-rooted association of the ugliness of visible disease with a kind of biblical evil or punishment, and we instinctually try and separate ourselves from it. Lepers, for example, were declared legally dead throughout the Middle Ages and were forbidden to speak or own possessions. Or in more recent memory, people suffering from AIDS were shunned throughout the 80s and 90s and became a target for religious conservatives who considered it a punishment for their sinful lifestyles. If we're starting to ignore that kind of Catholic disconnect where the body is simply a vessel carrying you through life, we're instead starting to see the body as something that forms part of your humanity and that its connection with and proximity to others is something that saves us rather than perpetuates harm, then where does that leave the zombie movie? Does the mass-scale killing of zombies become something that is ultimately unethical? Is it suddenly wrong to take a chainsaw to your younger sister just because she was trying to consume your brains? At the climax of Army of the Dead, despite the zombies' organisation and many snippets of their humanity and relationships that we're presented with throughout, the decision to nuke Las Vegas by government forces ultimately takes precedent. It feels kind of odd post-pandemic to look at a walled-off city teeming with zombies and know that despite the infection that's over on their body not ultimately muting all parts of their humanity, the government still opts to flatten the city rather than work on a solution. It's like the film's weirdly torn about which side of the room evil sits on. Is it the infected hordes or is it the government? Overall, Snyder's film doesn't really offer enough commentary on anything to come out with anything overly meaningful, which is a shame, but it did make me really think about the fear of death and The Walking Dead. 
I like this quote from Petretto's article. The dead are part of us. We just don't want to be any part of them. Well, uh, that was my zombie episode. While I was writing this, I went down a rabbit hole on those so-called zombie murders in 2012 that I mentioned at the top of the episode. And I'm not sure if you remember the one where a guy, I think in Florida, um, ate a homeless man's face. So here are a list of things that I did not know about that crime in particular. Despite the fact that he was naked and unarmed, the gentleman doing the face eating was shot several times. So many shots were fired, in fact, that the victim whose face was being consumed was also shot twice. He survived both having his face eaten and being shot by police. Police told the media that the perpetrator was on bath salts, although the toxicology report came back negative. Everyone got so caught up in the zombie aspect that no one questioned the police shooting. So there you go. Defund and dismantle, baby. If you have any thoughts uh, on the nature of the human soul, talk to me about it next time you see me at the pub. Peace. Peace.